Hey there, everyone. You're listening to the Destinations Incentive Travel Podcast, where we help busy professionals like you conquer the challenge of creating memorable and motivating corporate retreats, incentive travel events, and meetings and conferences. I'm your host, Kip Lambert, Chief Marketing Officer of Destinations, and my guest this episode is the one and only Fiona McGrory, Business Development Director of the Intercontinental Park Lane in London for the meetings, incentives, conventions, and events industry for the United States and Canadian markets. She's passionate about the industry and her hometown, London. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. Fiona, you are currently your title, and I know it's changing, and maybe we won't get we'll get into that here. But what's your current title at the at the Intercontinental Park Lane in London? Uh, business Development Director. And so, what got you into the industry? Um, where'd you get started? I basically wanted to be an air hostess. I wanted to travel. I wanted to fly. And in this country, we at 16, you can either do your A-levels or you go to college. And I didn't really like school. So I went to college and studied travel and tourism. And in your first year, when you're 15, you can't fly. So we had to choose something else. And my parents were always in a hotel that shall remain nameless down the street. Uh-oh. And um, I wrote to them and asked if I could do work experience. So I did. And I did four weeks on front desk in that hotel, um, just kind of watching and seeing what they as did. A, as a 15-year-old? As a 15-year-old, yeah. I was on their front oh, desk. Oh, cool. Watching uh, yeah, on a five-star hotel in Park Lane. It was pretty cool. And then they offered me a full-time job. And I said, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm 15. I need to finish college at least till 16. So I finished at 16 and sorry, I finished there, uh, finished college at 18, but I worked there part-time for two years and then they offered me an internship. So I, everyone else was going off to university um, and they offered me a two-year placement where I do management trainee in the hotel. So I thought I can earn some money. My friends are not, I won't end up in huge amounts of debt. So wow. I took it instead. So yeah. And the kind of, I suppose the rest is history. So started at the front desk. Yeah. What other positions did you did you hold? Pretty much in front office. I ran the executive floor. I did uh, front desk back then. It was whether you're a receptionist or a cashier. So I did both of those. Uh, did night shift for a while. That was interesting. Uh, guest relations, looking after all the VIPs. Uh, but I really enjoyed when we had the big groups checking in, which is kind of how I got into what I'm doing now. And the big groups, and we obviously had that huge movement, which at the time. Back in the good old days, we had an incentive every other week, pretty much from I'd say the beginning of March through September. So it was always good. So then I went to work in convention services. So I ran those groups for a couple of years and then wound it up selling them. That's cool. So how long ago did you start in sales then? Uh, I've been in sales. Oh, that's a naughty question. I've Uh probably been in sales for about 18 years. Oh, cool. Yeah, that I mean, obviously, I'm a big fan of the sales side. That's that's primarily where I'm at, and and uh, I, I think it's the most fun. Yeah, to, I agree. Get I get to do the, all the fun stuff in hotel, but then I can kind of manage my life as well because I'm not there yeah. 27. Well, cool. So, um, so what makes you? I mean, you're you're super passionate. That's one thing I've loved about. Um, oh, sorry about that. Um, I mean, that's one thing that I've really really loved about getting to know you is that you're 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 passionate mm-hmm. about the hotel, the Intercontinental Park Lane. But you're you're so passionate about London, about the UK. So, so what 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 made you this way? Where did this start for you? 
I don't know. I mean, I say I love the groups and I loved, I got taught the industry by people like you that own these companies. I didn't really understand what an incentive was. I didn't really understand what it meant. There was just these big groups that came over to this, you know, from the States. Um, and I kind of got taught the industry, you know, exactly by people like you understanding the whole program that goes behind it, all the work that goes into the incentive. And it just kind of made me want to be part of it and want that to be part of London. I love London. Um, you know, I've been very lucky uh, to have lived in London most of my life. Um, I just love our city and I love it when I see it through other people's eyes. Like obviously when you were over and we did the speed boats and all the things that we did, they're my favorite things to do. And I'll do them with everyone at time and time again, because uh, you can, you know, you never get bored of it. <laughs> well, that's one thing I loved about you. You know, you, you came with us on a couple different days, just yeah. Um, just to give give anybody that's listening a little context, we took uh, a group of some of our incentive buying clients over to London um, earlier this month in September, and uh, we're showcasing the Intercontinental Park Lane um, and a lot of different activities that they could do with their incentive groups in London. A lot of activities. In three we, had, we, had, we, had, we, we had a few too many activities, but it was a lot of fun and we had a very yeah. tight schedule and it was super fun to come with you because you know, one of my favorites was uh, we before we had our show at the uh, Paula Victoria Theater for Wicked. Mm -hmm. we, went to, we went to eat at uh, uh, <laughs> Chef Ramsey's Head and Street Kitchen. We did. And, uh, I loved how you know as our group was arriving, you went in there just like a little cute little British bulldog, <laughs> and went straight up to Mr. Ramsey and and. Uh, convinced him to take some some photos with our group and uh you know that takes a lot of passion and a lot of direction well, so well, tell it was me just so funny because we were standing outside and your guest said will he be here and i said he's got so many restaurants i doubt it and then one of your guests said isn't that him and we watched him walk past us um yeah he was very gracious i think one of your clients actually said well you know there's 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 18 of us like you know you don't have to take individual pictures lady otero said to her i'm not getting in a group picture i want my own <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no but he was very good he took pictures of everybody and he was very gracious so yeah it was good fun so you know when i run into people like you that are super passionate about our industry you know you've served in several different positions uh in your local chapter of the Society for Incentive Travel Excellence site. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're doing so many things in our industry. It, it, it seems like you're on your own personal mission. It's not just a job. No. So what, what would you define your personal mission as in our industry? I don't know if I have a personal mission. I just enjoy what we do. You know, I get to work with some of the best people. I've got great people in the hotel. I've got great people that want to be hoteliers, um, which I love working with them. Um, they want to be the best hotel in London, you know, which is obviously what we all strive for in this industry. Um, but I get to work with people like you and your team. You know, I've made some amazing friends over the years. Some of my closest friends I've made uh, through the industry. Um, and I think we just all have a really good time doing what we're doing. You know, we get to make people you know, have these amazing experiences and have these memories that you can't, you know, well, it, what is it? Money can't buy experiences, you know, and we get to do it together. Yeah, that's cool. So one of the things I've, I really noticed about you and just really your brand, the, the Intercontinental, it's been a, a wonderful brand that I've, I've stayed at many different places around the world. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I've really loved to see is that there's not just a order taking going on, you know, you don't, it's not one of those things where the guest always has to go and 
tell somebody what they somebody what they need or what they what they want. Mm. I, I find that it's almost a level of anticipatory service where there's always the idea of like it's going. You could say it's going the extra mile. It's you know Ritz Carlton has that phrase um, fulfilling the unexpressed wishes of our guests. So. Mm. You, I think you fit that mold. What What are your thoughts on that? How have you, and maybe share a couple of experiences that you can think of, of how either your hotel or what you've done during your career to try and anticipate the guest needs and, and put a smile on their face and, and actually trying to get them to say, wow. Well, I think, you know, it's just thinking outside the box sometimes and just going against the norm. Um, I think we all you know, in a hotel, you're very conscious of what you've done before and making sure that the experience is perfect for the guests. And I think sometimes doing something that is a little bit out of your comfort zone is a bit scary because we don't want to do something where we can't make it into continental London Park Lane. You know, it has to be a certain level of service. But I think the best thing I've done recently is um, a client that we had in wanted to have afternoon tea um, for the whole group. And there were nearly 400 people in that group. And for me, afternoon tea in a ballroom is a buffet. It's yeah. not yeah. an afternoon tea experience. So I went to the food and beverage team and said, look, what can we do? And this was in 18 months out, two years out. So we had plenty of availability. So they said, well, we'll just close the tea room. So we closed our lounge, the Wellington Lounge. We closed it for seven days. It was a long program there in London. Whoa, wow. And we did three seatings of afternoon tea a day. Um, people had very specific times. Um, and they knew they had a, a two hour window each. So we started at 12, so we had 12 and then they had 2.30 um, and then again at five. And everyone got to go through a proper traditional British afternoon tea service. Um, as I say, it was condensed a little bit because afternoon tea can go on for four hours if you're happy in enjoying your tea uh, and all the different cakes and food experience that goes with that. But it's just something like that that we'd never done before but we did it knowing that we could still make that experience what it needed to be. Very cool. Well, that's awesome. You know, that, that's a huge commitment. Seven days. Mm-hmm. It's closing yeah, but, it, but we had enough time to close the diary. You know, we, we weren't putting people yeah. out and we had somewhere else. If anybody in the hotel wanted nothing to, we could take them somewhere else. Okay. Well. well, I think that just speaks to knowing that you want to create an experience. It, it takes some resources and it's not mm-hmm. something that, you know, when you try and engineer a really, top-notch experience you have to put forward the the money and the time and the location to get it done and and so that's that shows you what uh what you and your team have the commitment that you've got to creating those experiences mm-hmm. very cool so you love london yep very what much are so. your what do you have any off the beaten path things that group that you would suggest for a group to do if they're on their own incentive trip or or a company retreat that's oh, a tough one. There's so much to do because it depends who you're with. You know, if you've got, you know, I always think people, I get a lot of what I get is, oh, we've done London. What did you do? What did you do when you were there? Because obviously we have, if it's your first incentive, you need to do the traditional pomp and ceremony of the British. You need to see the changing of the guards. You need to go to the um, Tower of London and see the crown jewels and have dinner at Kensington Palace and do all those things. But if they've done that, you know, how about doing things that are a bit differently, like what we experienced when you brought your group over, where you have, you know, where you hire these minis, um, you know, small car, big city, are an amazing company that have the minis that you drive around. 
Um, it's a bit like the Italian dog or you're weaving in and out the streets of London and you can get to places that you can't take buses to. You know, these big 53-seater buses can't go to these places where the minis can go. You know, speedboats down the Thames, you get to see so much of the architecture of London from the water, um, you know, which is again, different to being on a bus and doing a bus tour. Um, but there's so many, it depends on, again, on the age range, how experienced they are. Do they want to be off the beaten track or do they want to just do the traditional? You know, it depends what you've got. Um, you have to know your participant. Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, getting to know them and, and knowing, you know, their, their likes and dislikes, yeah. also knowing whether or not they've been there before is a huge, yeah. huge factor in what you're going to decide to do. You know, one of the things I loved uh, that our group really loved was Borough Market. Just oh. dropping them off for lunch, giving them yeah. the time to come back, mm -hmm. and you took you took a small contingent to go to lunch somewhere where they wanted to have okay. a sit down. Yeah, we went we went to catch and had a nice lunch there. We 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 we, 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 we didn't want street food. We wanted to sit in a restaurant. We've been walking. We're doing a lot of walking, so my group <laughs> wanted to go and sit somewhere. So we went to catch while you guys went off and had your donuts and whatever else you were having on oh. Borough Market. Okay, so I think I had I had bread ahead donuts. I had some fish and chips, and then I went and had some curry somewhere, which was Did anybody have the paella? The and paella is amazing. Somebody, somebody got some paella, and I had a bit of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the last, I had some ice cream in there. I, I had a yep. little bit of, I had a smoothie. I, I could have bought fresh flowers for my wife if I would have been feeling a little more romantic. I sh that's what <laughs> I, should have, I should have done. Maybe right? you should have done. I could have um, bought you a vase. <laughs> yeah. But I think they, that's right but i mean really they literally had to roll us out of there you know to but there's just so much variety in that in just mm. in that market and that's one suggestion i would make is you know mm. not typically on the list for no. any group that's going there for the first time there might not be enough time but no. I mean, that's one of those suggestions where it's i wouldn't say it's off the beaten track but it's definitely no. maybe not on your your top top five lists of places to stop but no fantastic just yeah. sights and smells and cool mm -hmm. people and yeah. you know, the, other, the other thing we did which i was so amazed by was we we uh took the, the the mini coopers over to leak street tunnel yeah and saw the street art mm -hmm. crazy so so fun um okay so um as we get along here in this in this call and you know one of the things i we were kind of talking at least on email over about was just the, the book that's called power of moments i don't know if you've had a chance to read that entire book mm. if not if not i'm going to send you a copy i haven't had the chance to read it but i but will read you, it yeah one of those one of those things in there that's that's so great is they they tell you how to elevate an event mm -hmm. or elevate an experience or a moment and uh, there's three different ways breaking the script raising the stakes and and boosting sensory appeal so i'm going to i'm going to talk about a few different things and maybe you can uh, think of how you've done that at at least in your career or currently at the intercontinental park lane but you know one of the hotels that i'm that, that's actually mentioned in this book is a book is a is a hotel in anaheim california called uh, the magic castle hotel it's actually a converted 1950s apartment building oh wow and it's rated higher than the Beverly Wilshire Ooh. and a few other high-end hotels. Not that it's meant to be in their category. They're not a luxury property, but on yeah. TripAdvisor, they have a higher rating. And if you look at the guest reviews, you'll find that they love two, two or three different things. One of them is out by the pool is a small red telephone. 
and above it, it has a sign that says Popsicle Hotline. And the guest goes up and grabs this phone and somebody answers and says, what, what kind of Popsicle would you like? And they have flavors that they list off and the, and the guest mm -hmm. orders a Popsicle and then it's promptly delivered to them on a silver, on a silver tray out by the pool with a pool okay. attendant with white gloves. Um, I mean, this, this, the level of this hotel is more like a courtyard by Marriott, you know, mm -hmm. three star type hotel. Uh, when they do laundry service, they include it. And uh, when you get your laundry back, it's wrapped in almost kind of brown butcher paper with some, some twine and a sprig of lavender with a little card oh. that says, thank you for allowing us to do your laundry today. Oh. Um, just little touches like that. And the, the authors in the book talk about how that breaks the script of the normal hotel stay. Mm -hmm. So for you, for you, what are the ways that you have tried to break the script for, for your guests? I think we don't tell you how to enjoy it. You know, I think a lot of hotels in London was very guilty of, you know, I mean, going back 15 years, we didn't have tea, you know, five-star hotels definitely did not have tea and coffee making facilities in the room because we had 24-hour room service. But not everybody wants to wait 20 minutes for their cup of tea or to have someone bring it to them. They just want to be able to wake up and make their coffee or grab something. And I think that, you know, hotels, we, we were very much dictated to guests how you will enjoy your stay. And I think the, ch the mentality has changed so much. We now with our menus even, for our functions, we have menus and you can pick menu, well, they're not A, B, C, D, but you know, for want of a better expression, but they're just suggestions, you know, our chefs, I mean, can you imagine cooking the same thing every day, 365 days a year, how boring <laughs> that is for a chef who does not get to be creative. I mean, we're happy to prepare those things on the menu, obviously, and he writes them seasonally, but how for him to actually sit down with a client and discuss what do you want? How can we do this? What can I do for you? For him to get that experience with the client and then your guests to get that food. I mean, it's, it's bespoke, you know, no one wants to, no one wants to live off a script anymore. We all want to go off and do something that's different and hasn't been done before. And I think that that's kind of more where hotels definitely intercontinental anyway, where they're kind of trying to break away from that pigeonhole yeah. and people into boxes. So, so, so just so I understand it, you're saying that you had an incentive or group client that wanted to personalize the menu for their event and they worked directly with We do it for most staff. of our events now. We do it for most oh. of our events. I mean, as I say, I, if you ask me for my menus, I can send you a, a pack of menus. But, you know, for the chef to be able to create something more bespoke for you, I mean, of course he wants to. Chefs are creative, you know. They, want to be, they don't want to cook the same thing every day, seven days a week. So, yeah, no, so we do that all the time. Oh. The chef so will sit down with the client. What's an example of something bespoken kind of off the menu that he's created for, for a group? Oh God, all sorts of things. I mean, you know, even down to, you know, he'll make, um, do you, have you ever heard of a Scotch egg? Yeah. Scotch egg. So you have your egg with the sausage meat and the breadcrumbs and things, you know, just making different flavors of those, you know, when we're trying to do an English menu and he came up with all these different, they wanted a picnic, a traditional English picnic. Um, you know, where, you know, things were just, you know, we have get the pork pies and they made all of these different things to, again, just be a bit more creative rather than just giving someone some ham and mustard sandwiches, you know, or egg and cress. So did they just skip across the street to Hyde Park? And yeah, pretty much. We put them all in picnic baskets. Uh, we have the wicker baskets. So we just filled all their baskets with, with scrumptious delights and off they went to Hyde Park with their little blankets and yeah, they had their picnics.
Hey, just a quick break here and one thing to note. In this episode, Fiona and I mentioned a familiarization trip that we collaborated on recently with a select group of our incentive travel buying clients. At Destinations, we believe in the importance of test driving a trip, location, or hotel before you take the plunge and spend a whole lot of your company's money. We host three to four of these types of trips every year to many different locations. If you're interested in joining us, drop me a note on LinkedIn or check them out at destinationsinc.com forward slash retreats. So, so the third way in that book that I mentioned is they, they, they suggest you boost sensory appeal. And, and the ways that we do that are just in, in the small touches that maybe are just a little bit unexpected. Again, it's, it's like breaking the script, but in a very sensory way. And one of the ways you and your hotel did that for us, for our group, was I think it was on the, our very last night, we had finished up with our group event. When we came back in the room was this Big Ben tower made out of chocolate mm-hmm. and with, with just just a beautiful card and, and a note from you. And, and uh, you know, that was for me, that was a, a boost in sensory appeal. I mean, it's something I didn't expect, but um, I love chocolate and I'm not going to say how much a big, big Ben that I actually consumed, <laughs> consumed. That night, but <laughs> what are some other ways that you've had success in maybe boosting the sensory appeal of, of the little touches in the hotel? I think the Big Ben, oh, that's my favorite thing at the moment. Um, the kitchen, they love me and they hate me in the same thing. Because once they do something like that once, they kind of have to do it a lot because then I expect it for all my clients. So that yeah. kind of started when I first got to the hotel and we started doing biscuits and they made biscuits, iced biscuits, and they made um, crowns, buses, taxis, and all things like that. This was before Biscuiteers was kind of around to a company that you can actually buy them from now, which is probably much easier buying it from them because they mass produce them. But they would make all of these things. It's kind of evolved over the years. So now my current favorite at the moment is Chocolate Big Ben's and they make chocolate taxis and um, buses and all sorts of things. And we actually put company logos and things on them as well, which is quite cute that we've done before. Um, so as I say, the kitchen love me, but they hate me all at the same time for making these things. Um, but I'm just trying to think. It's, it's tough to think of these things on the spot. Um, well, you know, well, you know, it's funny to over here. There's so many of our clients when we talk about London, they don't get excited. They don't think it's a, a food city, which no. is weird. They think of British food and they think of, you know, some of the traditional stuff and, you know, whether they're not into it or not. But they just, I don't know where it comes from, but there is. Oh, a I think it bit. comes from years ago. The food in London was horrible 20 years ago. You know, we had a dreadful reputation for food. It was either greasy or cold or beige. You know, there wasn't a huge amount of variety. <laughs> you know, in you know the pubs, you know the the bread would be curly and the salad wouldn't be. You know, it it wasn't a great food experience. Whereas now, I mean, we rival any city anywhere in the yeah, world. Yeah. So, so what's led to that revolution and that change? What what where did that all start? I don't know where it started. It just, it's just, it just is. I mean, it's just become a thing now. I mean, with the amount of brunches that we do now and afternoon teas had a massive resurgence in the last 10 years. I just think people have got better. We've realized that, you know, we can't trade on just being London anymore. You know, we have to raise the stakes. And if you yeah. look at all of the Michelin star restaurants we've got now, and even the restaurants that aren't Michelin star, I mean, you can, you know, we, you know, you walk down into Shepherd's Market, it's two minutes from the hotel, but amazing cuisine and you've got every cuisine from all around the world within walking distance of Mayfair yeah. you know there's nothing you can't get 
in, in London now, food-wise. And I think, you know, we've, we've, we've got, obviously, you know, we've got a lot of people that have come from the different countries, or, I mean, if you look at our chefs, where we've got a Mexican restaurant, our chefs have flown over to Mexico to train in the restaurant in Mexico to come back and make sure they're using the same techniques and the same ovens. And there's a huge amount of investment that goes into it in London now, which yeah. I just don't think they did before. Okay, that's, that's cool. Well, so um, let's talk a little bit about your hotel. You, you got a lot of competition on Park Lane. Um, you know, intercontinental. Yeah, yeah, and on Mayfair. So, so how have you been able to differentiate and set yourselves apart from the competition? So, you know, you've got the Four Seasons next door, the JW pretty much next door as well. Yeah. I know there's a big Hilton nearby. Mm -hmm. um, and then so many others. So how have you been able to differentiate and, and draw in groups? What, set, what sets you apart on uh, at Intercontinental Park Lane from the others? I think it is our service. Uh, you know, we, you know, we're very lucky. We have great owners. So we get a lot of investment into the property. So the property always looks fantastic, which is obviously a great start. But I think we've got great people. You know, the service, everyone in our hotel wants to be in a hotel. They want to be hoteliers. They want to provide an experience and they enjoy what they do. And I think if you've got people that enjoy what they do, that love what they do, they want the guests, you know, they want the guests to have a great time. And I think that's a, the biggest thing for us. Oh, that's cool. You know, one of the things I love, yeah, one of the things I loved about, I mean, the location's amazing. Uh, Obviously. You can't <laughs> be better for anybody that likes to be physically active and get up for a run in the morning, Hyde Park being so close and just yeah. everything is so close. Um, uh, but, you know, one of the things I, I think that's so important about your hotel is just the, the refined experience inside is not stuffy. It's, mm -hmm. it, it's very, it's a relaxing atmosphere where you don't feel, I mean, you, you definitely know you're in a five-star hotel, but it doesn't, yeah. you know, it doesn't feel overly stuffy. And I think that that's one of the things I've noticed in many of the other five-star hotels is that, you know, their direction is just trying to, from the get-go, when you enter the lobby, you feel almost like bombarded with this, this feeling of almost opulence, the, the, uh, the grand architecture of the old mm. days is definitely highlighted. So, you know, how, how has the refined experience been for you and trying to keep it more low key and, uh, how has that paid off? I don't, I mean, I think that's one of the good things about the, the great things about the hotel is that it's not stuffy. Like you don't walk into the lobby and feel like everybody's staring at you. You know, people are very relaxed and very warm. Um, you know, how can I help you? You know, is every, you know, I just think in the way that the staff treat people, you know, no one's looking at you as if you shouldn't be there. And we have such an eclectic mix of guests, which I think helps as well, because our day is different. You know, the morning's different from the afternoon. Tuesday is different from the Wednesday. You know, we can have an incentive guest, a corporate guest, a guest from, um, you know, a Middle Eastern guest, um, a holiday maker, someone that's attending an NFL game, people that rode for Wimbledon, someone in a full, you know, a Royal Ascot regalia. You know, it, it, there's just no day that's the same. And I think because our guests are all different, our team have to adapt to that. And there is no, there is no stuffiness. There is no people looking at you like you shouldn't be there which I think a lot of people don't like about five-star hotels or have that opinion that that's what it's going to be like yeah I think one of the greatest takeaways for our, our group of VIPs that we had there that were you know all, all there to see London and see it see it through hopefully our eyes and show them all the things they can do um, I, I think they came away from your hotel just seeing 
well, that refined but relaxed experience. Uh, the breakfast buffet was mm -hmm. something everybody talked about. So many different options and and. I think that's an important aspect for a group. The food's got to be great. But our very first night we had dinner, I think it was in the Mexican restaurant. We did, Ayacanta. Yeah. So, you know, so how long has that restaurant been in the hotel? What was the decision? To, were you there for any of the decision making on bringing I'd in the I'd love to say restaurant? it was my idea. I'd love to say it was my idea, but my general manager would be very upset with me right now. Um, <laughs> our general manager is Colombian and wanted a Mexican restaurant. Uh, well, he wanted a South American restaurant, but he had to find the right chef. Um, so he met Martha Ortiz, um, who has uh, one of the best restaurants in Mexico City. And they got talking and he said to her, how about you open a restaurant in London? And I don't think she took a lot of convincing. And uh, she flew over and they met and she saw the space and they talked about how they could make it work. And, you know, it's not Tex-Mex. It's very, very true to oh, yeah. um, the Mexican roots. And it's all about the flavor and the look of the food and her big thing is that you eat with your eyes you know, with all the, it's all about the sensory experience about how it looks and everything else so the food yeah. I, mean, the, I mean just the photography I mean I think I said to you when we were planning this to to kind of show you how uh you know a Mexican restaurant in London operates I mean it's it's very very cool no, I, had, I was, was very lucky I had brunch on Saturday I was very happy <laughs> it was it was it, they pull it off very well it's super authentic and and yeah. and also very it's a very high-end experience that's one yep. thing we love and again uh getting back to boosting sensory appeal i think when you think in london maybe your first choice isn't going to be to go to a mexican restaurant but what a perfect choice down near the lobby to to have a space and you know as i was waiting for some of our group to come down i i was um, noticing many of the other guests kind of coming and going from the restaurant and I actually mm -hmm. talked to a couple of them and, and found was interested to find out you know when you're in a hotel usually it's and hey, where are you from and they'll tell you somewhere else. And the three people that I talked to were all local. Yeah. They were either there for like a business meeting or mm -hmm. just to have dinner with their spouse. You know, so when you attract locals into your mm -hmm. Mexican restaurant on Park Lane, I think you're doing something right. And that's a, yeah. that's a fantastic, you know, it's kudos to your team. I'll, I'll happily take the full credit, but okay, I, well, yeah, we'll, it wasn't we'll, mine. We'll give it to you. <laughs> we just won't tell Mr. Ray. <laughs> no, don't. We won't. Not at all. We won't tell him. Uh, we won't tell a soul. No, okay. No. Well, in, in finishing up here, our time's a little bit short. I want to be uh, sensitive of your time, but just as people are listening to this, we're going to have some people that are interested uh, in London as, as a destination, but mm -hmm. also in Park Lane because it's it's got to be on their list of places to stay Absolutely. for a, a five-star incentive. So what's your, what's your two-minute... I guess it's not an elevator pitch if it's two minutes, but what, what, if you could just maybe run us through what's, what sets you apart with your hotel that we maybe haven't talked about that you think are the major selling points of your location and of your city. And so what would you tell somebody if you only had just a few minutes to tell them? I think, I'd, I mean, I talk about the city first. I mean, you know, to talk about what you can do and experience in London, I think being part of site, you know, I get to see a lot of the research that goes into the incentive programs and what the guests want. And a lot of the stuff that's coming out right now is that the programs are too, there's too much, they can't do anything on their own. Um, and that, you know, it, there's too much forced activity. They want to be with the other people, but they want some time on their own. And I think being in Mayfair where we are, you know, even if they've only got a couple of hours, they can, I mean, you saw how quickly you can get from where we are to Buckingham Palace, down to Knightsbridge, to Oxford Street, you know, for shopping, for, 
seeing the sights or walking through the park, anything like that they can get to and do in a very short space of time. So I think that from a location perspective is fantastic. Um, I think obviously, you know, the DMCs do an amazing job in London of showing you that. Um, and obviously I think the hotel needs to complement that. And I think that the way that we operate those groups, we know how to operate them. We know how to move that amount of people around from group check-in to welcome functions to, room drops you know we know how to operate it we know how to make it work and and make it seamless for the guest very cool About less than two well, minutes there you go <laughs> <laughs> well fiona i've had a fabulous time talking to you I, i've loved you. i've loved our short time where we worked a little bit together i'm i'm looking forward to to more things um super excited about this uh can we talk about it the uh we can can, can we talk about your your what would you call your your role change your your uh, your upgrade so let's see if i've got this right i wrote it down (laughs) key account director luxury for the uh, meetings and incentives meetings incentives conferences exhibitions uk and ireland yes for the managed properties that's correct. Yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, but no, it basically works out that I'm going to be doing the job I've always done for Park Lane, but I'll just have 17 other hotels to talk about in and around the country. So uh, all the way from London, Leeds, Manchester, York, uh, Edinburgh, Glasgow. So I'm going to have a lot to talk to you about. Very cool. Well, you know, you had us, uh, we, had to, we had to pull what's called in American football, there's something called an audible. And uh-huh. that's when that's when the quarterback walks up to the line of scrimmage and he kind of reads the defense and he changes the play. Uh-huh. You you helped us pull an audible. We were gonna have dinner at the Admiralty Pub, but we, we found were. out we were found we found out that we were gonna have dinner with uh thousands of Brexiteers. <laughs> yeah, thousands of Brexiteers on a on a march and protest, and we wanted to avoid yes. that area, so we went over to one of the your Kimpton. other managed properties, the Kimpton yeah. Fitzroy. The Kimpton Fitzroy, that's correct, yeah. Um, and obviously they were gracious hosts. We gave them less than 24 hours notice to pull off a dinner for 30, uh, which they did um, amazingly. Um, yeah, and it's another great property in a completely different location to Park Lane, um, showing you a different side of London, different style of hotel. Uh, but no, I think they did a great job. So can I give you a little insight on how that really helped us recently? Yeah, of course. Uh, on, so we have a request for proposal out yeah. for, a lo- for a local theater company that yeah. does some luxury trips, okay? And uh, we were very excited that you're going to be repping that hotel because we wouldn't want to send the business any other way. <laughs> don't, don't tell the other hotels we said that, but yeah, I guess it's... Yeah, of course not. I won't tell anyone. Here's the thing they're doing they're doing um their own production of a, a play in 2020 Titanic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in in talking to them we said hey here's this London Fitzroy and by the way you know next year when you do this trip you're also going to be doing your big production of Titanic in your theater. Mm-hmm. So these are these are all their top sponsors. So the 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 Kimpton Fitzroy much of the architecture was inspired mm-hmm. by the man that did the, design, our, the, Titanic. the, the di- design for the, the Titanic, specifically the dining room, mm-hmm. the grand staircase, and many of yeah. the opulent first class accommodations uh-huh. on Titanic. Yeah. And there's that little fancy little bronze dragon in the hotel. The, like, what's it called? The lucky dragon or the, 
Do you know that? I don't know that I've seen it yet. I, I need, need to go and have a look around. There. So there's there's two little bronze dragons. One mm -hmm. is on the Titanic. Yeah. And one one sits on the stairway of okay. the King Fitzroy. And that one's known as the lucky dragon, I think. I maybe didn't go down. He, he didn't go down. He was on land. So he, he's had a good life. So anyway. I will make sure I go and visit him. So that actually that actually helped. And I think that client's looking super, super hard into that aspect because it has a tie-in with what he's doing with his theater productions and here uh, here in the great state Excellent. of Utah. So exciting, cool stuff. Very all right, young, uh, all right, young lady. Thank you for your time. No, so great you. to talk to you. Love you so much too. Look forward to uh, more conversations and great things ahead. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Uh, talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Destinations Incentive Travel Podcast. At Destinations, we strive to be your go-to guide and season partner in helping you craft the perfect corporate retreat, president's club, or rewards trip for your company. Check out how we do it at destinationsinc.com.